But God held me close So I wouldn't let go God's mercy kept me So I wouldn't let go I almost gave up I was right at the edge of a breakthrough but couldn't see The devil really had me But Jesus came and grabbed me And he held me close so I wouldn't let go God's mercy kept me So I wouldn't let go So I'm here today Because God kept me And I'm alive today only because of his grace oh he kept me god kept me he kept me i wouldn't let go let go I felt like I just couldn't take life anymore my problems had me bound depression weighed me down but God held me close so I wouldn't let go God's mercy kept me so I wouldn't let go so I'm here today because God kept me and I'm alive today only because of his grace Oh, he kept me, God kept me, yes, he, did. he kept me, God kept me, kept me through the storm. he kept me, yes, he kept me, God kept me. He kept me so I wouldn't let go. Thank Tony, Robin, and Doc for that song. I don't know about you, but I'm living that song. 
haven't felt as much pressure in my living life since as I've been feeling these days. But it is good to be reminded that God can keep us. Just yesterday, I had to take a certification for work. They needed somebody to be certified, and I was ignorant and raised my hand. <laughs> Didn't know what I would be going through. And yesterday, I was in there taking that test. I saw questions I never saw before. But I started talking to the Lord. I started talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I think all those questions I just answered, I don't think I did too well. So we're going to have to make it up with the questions ahead. It was about 100 questions. And somehow God just moved in. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God just has a way <laughs> of showing up when you need him. We serve a mighty God. A good God, an able God. But still, I got to tell you, these days have been a little tough. But I'm glad we serve the God that we do. I want to call your attention this morning to a very familiar passage of Scripture found in the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 20 to 22. <laughs> Job chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. You know it. The word of God says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject, How to Handle Unexpected and Persistent Trouble. How to Handle Unexpected and Persistent Trouble. Father, it's been a while since I've had to do this. But God, my trust is in you. Speak to me that I may speak to your people and to myself today. In the name of Jesus, amen. I don't know about you, but as I look around what's happening in the world today, when I look at what's happening in the nation, Boston, Columbine, Texas, Denver, when I look around, even here in Las Vegas, you can't even leave church late at night and be safe. People just walking around, shooting people at random. You can't even leave your shop safe. Stuff happening. And when I look at what's happening even here at Abundant Life, trouble is on the rise. Trouble is on the rise. I don't know about you, but I've come to accept that life is indeed like the change in seasons. Someone asks a philosopher, what is the next 10 years going to be like? He says, I can help you with that. And everybody sat up on their chairs because they wanted to hear what he was going to say. 
He says, well, it's going to be like it had been in the last 10. After fall, it's going to come winter. After day will come night. And after night will come day. And that's how it's been ever since the fall of man. Life takes us through these different seasons. And, and then a good description for it is that it's going to be opportunity mixed with difficulty. Can I get a witness this morning? Yeah. Opportunity mixed with difficulty. The Spirit of the Lord has impressed me today to take some time to talk to us about how to handle unexpected and persistent trouble. And somebody here today is saying, hey, I'm all prayed up, elder. I don't have to worry about that. But I want you to know that unexpected and persistent trouble is no respecter of persons. Don't matter how young you are. Doesn't matter if you're light or dark. Male or female, unexpected trouble is no respecter of persons. I know that we can never be fully prepared for trouble. But I think it is wise for us to take some time to give some thought to how we would handle trouble when it comes. We ought to have some basic defaults. Some basic places that we go as opposed to trying to figure out, oh, what am I going to do now? The Bible gives us some prescriptions. And so I want to talk to you today from the story of Job. Job gives us some critical insights into how to handle unexpected and persistent trouble. It is interesting to me in the book of Job, just in the first chapter, it says that there was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job, and the man was perfect and upright, one who feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yokes of oxen and 500 shios and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. It says, and his sons went and feast in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called their sisters, said, come on over here to eat and drink with them. And it was so. And it was so that, 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 that when the days of their feasting were gone about, it says that Job sent and sanctified them, rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offering according to the number of them all. For God said, it may be, Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart. Thus did Job continuously. I don't know about you, but I would tell you that Job is a blessed and highly favored man. He was a blessed and highly favored man. Now I hear some of you walking around saying, I'm blessed and highly favored. I wonder about that sometimes. It's one thing to say it. 
can I get a witness? But it's another thing to live it and for it to be the truth. Not just in public, but when you're by yourself. Job, he is blessed with tremendous possessions. He has an army of people at his command, had an army of people at his command. His family was tight. And that's a big thing today, isn't it? His family was tight. They still came together and celebrated, and, and they were doing so good that the Bible didn't even say they had a party. It said they had a feast. It means that things were laid out for them. But I must submit to you that what makes Job blessed and highly favored is not his possessions or his family. What makes him blessed and highly favored is that the Bible says that he was perfect, upright, feared God, and eschewed evil. Perfect doesn't mean that he wasn't, didn't have any sins. If he didn't have any sins, he wouldn't be offering those sacrifices. Amen? Amen. Perfect meant that when he fell, he made it right with God. Perfect really means here that Job was mature in his walk with God. He wasn't being blown by every wind and doctrine. He was rooted and grounded in his relationship with God. Upright means that he was just and right. You could expect him to treat you right. He was going to do the right things. He wasn't going to tip the scale and put some false weight on the scale. He was going to do right. He feared God. He feared God. It meant that, that, that he was incredibly devoted to God. Incredibly devoted to God. He loved God. And he eschewed evil. If he was walking down the street and he saw some mess he would go on the other side of the street. He wasn't going to go playing with it so that saying, let me see how close I can get to it. <laughs> I read someplace where Ellen White says that if we invite temptations, if we invite temptation, there is no power from heaven available to deliver us from that temptation. So Job wasn't playing with it. He was doing like Joseph did. <laughs> when Potiphar's wife held him, huh? <laughs> Woo! He got out of the way. He, he wasn't playing with evil. Job was proactive in his faith and in his relationship with God. And, 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 and here he says something for us parents. Job was an intercessor for his children. Even his adult children, he was an intercessor for them. He would go before God early in the morning and says, Lord, just in case... I don't know about you, but I don't have to say just in case for my boys. I don't have to say just in case. I can say, Lord, I know that they've made some mistakes. But he was an intercessor for them just in case. Not only that they did something overtly, but in case they did something in their heart and nobody saw it, Job was interceding for his children. We got to be like that. We got to be a folks who intercede on each other's behalf. Our children, our, our, our family members, our, we have to be an interceding people. And I got to tell you, in a day like this, we need to be interceding. When I think about the life of Job, I, I remember, I'm reminded of a story of a farmer who needed some help. And he looked long and hard, and only one person applied for the job. 
so he interviewed, he called that man in for an interview, and he said, tell me, what are some of your strengths? The man said, I can sleep in the storm. He said, well, what other strengths do you have? He says, I can sleep during strong winds and stormy days. The man says, well, I need something more than that. Send him away. He kept on looking, kept on looking for the Mars, but nobody else would apply. He called the man back. He says, let's give this a try. He hired the man, and things were working out pretty good. He was doing the job. But then the storm came. Perhaps one of the biggest storms that he ever saw, and he was concerned about the chickens being blown out of the coop and the hay blowing away and things just going awry as they do in the storm. And so he went knocking on the door trying to get the man up. No response. Finally, he got his key and got in there, Brother O.C., and the man was still sound asleep. He's shaking him. Hey, wake up. But the man just wouldn't move, and the man is thinking, man, good help is hard to find. And finally, in his frustration, he simply left and, 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 and went outside to check on the livestock. He went and checked on the chicken. He went and checked on the chicken, and everything was all right. The doors were all closed. The chicken were all in place. He went to check in the, in the, in, 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 in the hay, and the hay was all tied down, and everything was good. He went and checked in the livestock, and everything was covered up. Nothing was moving around with, with, with the storm. And then he realized what that man was saying. He can sleep in strong winds, <laughs> because before the wind comes, he did his job. Thank you. Before the wind come, came, he did his job. And I got to tell you, that's what Job was in his springtime. In his spring season, Job had solidified his relationship with God. I remember when Pastor Rock was going through his challenges, I called him up. He says, Elder Brown, one of the things I realized is that it's best to know God before you need him. Job knew God before he needed him. In his springtime, Job was a man of spiritual integrity. His faith was not in his substance. You with me? His faith was not in his family, the fact that his family was tight and going well. But his faith was in God. Job was the kind of person, he didn't need a cheerleader to get him worshiping. He showed up by himself, ready to worship and have church all by himself. Early in the morning. He would get up and slay those bulls and goats or whatever. And he'd say, God, please cover me. Cover me, cover me, cover me. It is interesting to me, though. I don't know if it interests you, but it, it is interesting to me that we meet Job. We meet Job when he is full of piety. They said that when Job walked down the street, people were just hush because of the kind of life that he was living he was a righteous man he was a righteous man and he was a wealthy man it's interesting to me that we meet Job when he has all of this because what we're going to see is that almost overnight the temperature and the condition of Job's springtime changed 
to winter. What that tells me is that piety, wealth, and possession is not a hedge against trouble. I don't think you're with me. The fact that you're living right, doing right, acting right, in public and in private, the fact that you've been a good steward and put your stuff away for a rainy day is not a hedge around trouble. So if you're sitting here today thinking, well, hey, I think I got all the bases covered. I want to disturb your comfort zone. All of that is not a hedge. It's not a hedge against trouble. I believe God is trying to tell us something this morning. We, not, we ought not make any mistakes and put our trust in the things we have or even in the, the, the condition of our spiritual condition. Because trouble can still come. I, I want to show you how quickly Job's life began to spiral out of control. Look at me at, with Job, at Job chapter 1, verse 13 to 19. Look at here. This man who is the richest man of the East, a man so full with piety. It says, when, and there was a day, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine with the eldest, at the eldest brother's house. They were having a good time. It says, And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only escape alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, they came yet another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven and had burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, they came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, they came another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine of the elder's brother's house. And behold, they came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped to tell thee. I don't know about you, but as I went back and investigated this scene, I couldn't help but think that there was a cool criminal behind the scenes. A cool criminal. The couple things that I noticed is, is that the attacks were designed first to get Job to believe the first two, the first one and three were done by humans. And then two and four were done by, by forces that, 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 that would let Job to believe that they were God forces. And so here for Job, man and God. Man and God is attacking and reining him in. 
And these attacks, they're designed, they come bang, 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 designed to just knock Job off balance and get him to curse his God. But in his moment of exasperation, Job does not turn against God because Job is incredibly loyal and devoted to God. Yes, I know that we can never be fully prepared for trouble, but I believe Job gives us some ammunition here to help us to understand how to handle unexpected and persistent trouble. I don't know if any of you are sitting out there feeling today, man, it may not be as bad as Job, but I feel a little beaten down. Doesn't sound like you're feeling that. Maybe I'm just feeling it by myself. I don't know if you, if you can't can relate. But I think God put this here for us. But just about when it seems like the bullets had stopped and the assault was over, at least that was, that's what Job thought, right? He's still licking his wound. His wealth and possessions are gone. His servants, his children are gone. And you notice in this attack, the last thing that was taken out was his children. (laughs) Man, you expect when things fall apart, if you got 10 children, you expect that some of them are going to be around to bring you some comfort, right? Last thing is gone, and now he has no one to comfort him. He's reeling from that. It's hard. It's rough. But could you imagine that even in the the bitterness of his winter, that the temperature will still drop and the condition could worsen? Look at me. Look look with me at at, at chapter 2, verse 7 to 13. Chapter 2, verse 7 to 13, it says... It says that Job was smitten, smote, smitten with sores from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. It says that it, it was so uncomfortable that he took potsheds to scrape himself. Doc, that, that, that sounds like, can't even try to imagine that it, it makes my blood run. Scraping himself because, you know, he has stuff running down, dripping down. The flies are, you all with me? The flies are inhabiting. He, he, is, he is a magnet for flies. He's out there scraping himself. He sat down among the ashes. And perhaps the one person left who could have given him some comfort. Here she comes. Here she comes. She said, Dost thou still retain thy integrity? Job, why don't you just curse God and die? I know you think that's cold. I know you think that 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 may be cold. But, but, but I, I can relate a little bit. Several, several weeks ago, I went to Wisconsin because my dad was in, he was in intensive care. And, and they 
thought maybe he wasn't going to make it, so they called me. And I walked in the room on a Thursday, and, and there he is in, in the intensive care room. He fell, and when he fell, they caused some blood to, to kind of somehow accumulate in, in his brain and uh, in, in, in his head, and there was too much pressure in his brain, so they had to do a little operation to relieve the blood. And then they, I guess they used these metal staples to staple his stuff back together. And when I walked in there, you know, you just don't look too good when, you, when, when you're in that type of condition, right? I walked in there, and, and, and my dad could hardly talk. Not even a, a reasonable greeting. But I saw my dad laying in that hospital bed, and, and for three weeks now, his wife and his daughters and, and, and my sisters and, and, and my stepbrothers have been just converging, sleeping in that room. And my, my dad, my, my, my dad, who just wasn't, was just not doing well. And, and, and I had an opportunity to walk my stepsister down to the cafeteria. She says, Clarence, I'm just tired. It's been three weeks. My whole life is on hold. I'm tired, I'm tired. And my dad kept saying, you know what? I'm ready to, I'm ready to be done. I'm just tired of the suffering. I'm tired of the sickness. But I understand, you know, for Job's wife, I imagine she's going out there to this little ash heap every day taking him some food. Perhaps the embarrassment of, of dealing with all of that. And somehow she allowed herself to be overtaken by the enemy. And she said, Job, man, just give it in. Let's get it over with. And that Sabbath morning, I got there Thursday, Sabbath morning, all of the machines started making funny sounds. And the, and the doctors and the nurses, they would come in and they said, Mr. Brown, your blood count is now at seven. Because I'd been there and they'd been irrigating his, his uh, kidney, trying to get the blood and the clots and stuff out of his kidney. They said, your blood level is at seven. And he had already signed one of those waivers that said, no blood products. And they said, if it gets to six or five, you may be unconscious and unable to make a decision, and nobody else here could make the decision for you. And all my dad could do was just shake his head to say, no blood products. I said, Doc, nurses, can you give us, the family, some time? And we started pleading with my dad. I said, Dad, you are making the choice for God here. If God doesn't want you to live, then the blood products are not going to work, but you can't just make the choice yourself. My dad is a stubborn man. Shook, shook his head. My younger siblings said, Dad, we're not ready for you to go. We believe God still have work here for you to do. I, I know this is selfish. We, we're not ready for you to go. My little sister, in her exasperation, she said, listen, listen, you all are putting too much pressure on him. Stop it. I know he's suffering and he's tired. Stop putting all that pressure on him. And boy, everybody turned on her. Get out of here. <laughs> what are you talking about? And she got her stuff and she says, I'm out of here. My dad says, in his little faint voice, come back and sit down. And here we are agonizing. 
over life and death. And all I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes life can beat you down so much, you just want it to be over. And so that's where Job is now. He's lost everything, and now his health, his health is deteriorated, and it's now changed from unexpected to persistent trouble. It said his friends came up to see him. And when they looked at Job and how, 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 how bad he looked, they just sat down. I guess it was customary not to speak until the afflicted person spoke. And they sat down there. And I imagine they're saying, wow, we knew he was bad. But nothing in our imagination could have prepared us for the fact that things would be this bad. Nothing could have prepared us to see this man in this condition. Naturally, I got to wonder, I got to believe that Job now is dealing with the question, why God? Why would you let this happen to me? I've been living right, doing right, representing. Why would you let this happen to me? Is it something that I've done? I'm trying to think back to see what I might have done that I did not confess, and he couldn't find anything. And so he goes now, Brother Lawrence, way back. He says, maybe, maybe it was something that I did in my youth, and my iniquities are now upon me. He must have said, is there an Achan in the camp? Or maybe the sun and the stars and the moon have just so aligned and converge against me. And Job's friends, in an attempt to try to answer, they started giving their opinions. One man says, Job, man, you just stop messing around. You've messed up. Why don't you just fess up? Job says, I haven't messed up. I've been living right. Another one says, Job, you're just digging yourself in a deeper hole. Why don't you just come straight? We can fix this, but you got to come straight. Another one asserts, Job, you're just suffering. You're suffering because God wants to teach you a lesson. I'm telling you this because sometimes, you know, we, we like to try to play God. We want to tell people why things are happening, right? We think we must always know why. And then we start telling them it must be for a good reason. <laughs> ah, God is just testing you. God is just developing you. I got to tell you, that's easy for everybody who's on the outside to say, but when you're on the inside, it is much more challenging than that. I don't have time to deal with all of that, but I just want you to know that be careful what you're telling folks. And then when you're in the situation, be careful what you're listening to. Because not everybody that's talking is talking because they're connected with God. I want to tell you here, let's look at Job chapter 1 and verse 7 to 12. Job chapter 1, 7 to 12. It says here, 
And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and forth in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Huh, that sounds good. You've been walking up and down, huh? You feel like you own the place, huh? He says, uh-huh. <laughs> then God raised the question, Have thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and eschewed evil. <laughs> now, it's interesting to me as well, right? Because we're always bragging on God. You know? God is a good God. God is a mighty God. God is awesome. But here, God is bragging on a man. God is bragging on his man, Job. He says, have you considered my servant, Job, if I was a wagering person, I'd put my wager on him. Satan had already checked him out. He says, does Job fear God for naught? Is he serving you just because you are God? Or is he serving you because of all the things that you have given him? He says, thou hast made a hedge around him and about his house and about all that he had in every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increasing the land. This tells me Job has been, God, Satan has been checking him out. He's been checking him out. He says, yeah, I tried a few things, and nothing seemed to work with Job. Nothing seemed to work with Job. Sometimes the challenges we're facing is not because of anything we've done. <laughs> we are being challenged because God has got some confidence in us. Amen? God says, I know what I've put in him. I know, I know, I know how I've helped him. I know where I brought him from. Come over with me to chapter 2, verse 1 to 6. God and Satan had another conversation. Another conversation. It says again, there was a day when the sons of God came to the presence, present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before God. And the Lord said unto Satan again, <laughs> As thou, whence cometh thou, whence cometh thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said from going to and forth in the earth and from walking up and down in it. He's got some nerve. He doesn't even bring up Job. <laughs> he doesn't even bring Job up. But here God goes and he raises the question again. Has thou considered my servant Job? I am so excited that God will, will, will brag on a man because of what he's done for that man. Why is this happening? I found it somewhat perplexing that Job is asking God questions. Lord, what's happening? Why, why is this happening? Have you ever found yourself asking that question? Things aren't going right. They're going worse than they should. You've been praying and praying and praying and now you're asking God why? Why? 
Why? Why would you let this happen to me? And why am I still going through this? One of the things that I've discovered is that why is a child's question. Children love to ask why. Why this? Why that? You've heard it as a parent, and you said just because, right? But children love to ask the question why. But what I discovered about God is that he does not specialize in answering why questions. He does not specialize in asking why questions. He never answered Job's questions. In fact, he said, Job, let me ask you some questions. And man, God started asking some questions that were so high. <laughs> I can only imagine that Job was just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Those questions were so high. Where were you <laughs> when I spread the universe out there? Do you know how it all works? Do you know how I laid out the heavens? Job says, I put my hands in my mouth, Lord. Your questions are way too high for me. And so what I really want to tell you here is that sometimes in these seasons, you're probably not going to get an answer. You're not going to get an answer because God doesn't answer questions like that. He doesn't answer it because he wants us to know that he's a sovereign God. He can do whatever he wants to do because he's already told you that all things would work together for good to them that love him and to them that are called according to his purpose. And he is, a man, he is not a man that he should lie. And so why must he answer the question, why? When he's already given you the answer, it's going to be for our good. I'm going to rush on here. But I want to answer the question, how to handle unexpected and persistent problems. I don't know about you, but I've noticed that there's a lot of things we talk about. Folks are very comfortable talking about what and why. But Sister Washington, when it comes to how to handle, we, we back away from it. We can describe the story, but turn with me now to Job chapter 1 again in verse 20. Verse chapter 1 and verse 20. Job chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, again, Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head. Now, I don't want you to get too caught up with that. Don't be too impressed with the fact that he stripped himself, shaves his head. Don't get too impressed with that. That was just culture. Anybody in that part of the then known world who had this experience would have done just that. Christian and pagans alike. I mean, that is just, you know, when, 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 when something happens and you pick up the phone, Pastor, Elder, we have a problem. You know what? Everybody would do that. Amen? Even folks who don't come to church. Even folks who haven't been walking the walk, right? When something goes wrong, it is customary to pick up the phone, Pastor, Elder. So don't be too impressed with that. 
what I want you to be impressed with is that the Bible says that Job falls on the ground. He lost all his possessions. Lost his, 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 his household, including his children. He falls on the ground, and what does he do? Worship. He falls on the ground and worship. Oh, that is huge. That is huge. First, in worship, there is posture. There is posture. He, he, he humbles his, himself down before God. There is posture. And there is reverence. There is reverence. There is a hush. John chapter 4 and verse 24. Jesus told the woman at the, at the well, she said, he said, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus was really telling this woman, it's not about the location. There's nothing special so much about worshiping in Jerusalem. But what was really important is the attitude we bring to worship. And so Job, yes, he bows down. Yes, there's posture. Yes, there's reverence. But what you can't see necessarily is the attitude Job has. He is saying, you are Lord. In my distress, you are still God. He's saying, even in this, I still believe that you're king of kings and lord of lords. And so right there, <laughs> if there was a wager, God won the wager. <laughs> Satan said, hey, if you took all those things, he would look at you and curse, turn to you and curse, curse you in your face. But instead of cursing, Job is worshiping. Job is worshiping. Oh, I found that to be just so fabulous. I found that to be such an indication for you and I for how to handle unexpected trouble. Did you get it? In unexpected trouble, <laughs> don't just pick up the phone. Don't just come to the prayer meeting. But deep down in your heart, Assume a position. Assume an attitude of worship. God is to be worshiped in good and bad times. No matter what, God is to be worshiped. Oh, yes, and the worship is to be in spirit and in truth. I don't know about you, but, 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 but it would not have been my first posture. Would not have been my first posture. And I've even heard some folks said, huh, I'm angry with God because X, Y, Z happened to my this or that. Have you ever heard that? Huh, who are we to be angry with a God who says, no matter what you're going through, trust me, it is always going to be for your good. It may not feel good, but it's going to be for your good. The next lesson I found is in that other verse, verse 21. 
Job said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. He's saying, hey, I, I, I got all this stuff. I'm the richest man of the East, but I've never lost, never, never lost sight of the fact that everything I have came from the Lord. And I'm okay if he can give it. <laughs> I'm all right if he takes it away. Satan, here, take another one. Bang! You said that if you took the stuff, <laughs> he will curse me. You take that. Ah. God might not have done that, but, but, but that's just me. That's just me. That's just me. Look, look, look at me at, at, over verse 19 real quick. Verse 19. I'm sorry, chapter 19. Chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. Chapter 19, 25 to 27. What's amazing to me is that at this time in the Old, Old Testament literature, there is no mention of the resurrection or the Redeemer. But Job said here, in the midst of his winter that now is persisting and continuing, he says, for I know, <laughs> I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though my skin worms destroy in my body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Oh, he's saying, you know what? Even though it doesn't look good, even though I'm fussing and complaining and I'm just being human because I am, even though there's no answer to my question, I know that somehow God still has my back. I know that he still has my back. My, 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 my message here is that when trouble persists, you got to trust God. Some winters are going to be long. Some winters are going to be very hard. But when trouble persists, you got to trust God. He is not a man that he should lie. And he said that all things will work together for good. God will never, never turn against you. Job understood that. Job understood that. Even though he's facing death, Job still expects that God will see about him. He believed that God will still be on his side. The last thing I want to tell you is that as followers of God, God will restore us winter to spring. I didn't say he might, but I said he will restore our winter. He will take our winters and change it into springtime. We may not be where Job is, but you may be dealing with something. You may be dealing with something. Now, Job was perfect and upright, but, but, but we may not be that. Some of us are suffering because of choices we made. Some of us are suffering because of choices we made, but God has a remedy for that. God has a remedy for that. He says, confess. <laughs> You're knowing sins. Because I'm faithful and just to forgive. And let's go forward.
Let's go forward. Some of us are just being attacked by Satan because he is just a vicious, ugly, bad character. But he's also a smooth criminal. He doesn't always show up as ugly and bad. Sometimes he shows up looking slick. That scares me for myself. It scares me for our children because he is now arraying himself so attractive. I, I, I listen to my boys, how they talk about these Jordans and, and stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, look at what he's just done with shoes. Got the whole world now. Now they, they, they release a shoe. And all these boys are converging from all kinds of places to get a shoe. And that's just a shoe, you know, on the foot. Imagine what he's doing with all the other stuff. Are you with me? Imagine what he's doing. And so he has, he has the ability to array, array himself. But trust me, he's like a roaring lion, just, just, just waiting and attacking. And so, you know, I've kept you long enough. I want you to know God will restore. Doesn't make a difference if we're being attacked because of nothing of our own or if we're being attacked because of what we've done. If we make it right with God, we serve a God that will restore. Chapter 42, and then I'm going to sit down after a quick appeal. Chapter 42, verse 10 to 13. Chapter 42, verses 10 to 13. Here, spring is back. <laughs> It's been a long, hard winter. Your winter could be long and hard. But understand this, God can restore. It says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job, turned his winter. And when he prayed for his friends, those miserable comforters, <laughs> also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there also unto him all his brethren. Where were they when he was suffering? I didn't even know he had those till I got back here. And his sisters, huh? Oh, yeah, when things are going good, everybody's around you, right? Oh, yeah, but let the bottom fall out. And folks just start scattering. But now his brethren and his sisters and they that had been of his acquaintance before all his friends showed up for the party. And they'd eat bread <laughs> with him in his house. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how things, the more things change, the more they stay the same? Let some hard time comes and nobody is showing up, but, 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 but show a feast. <laughs> and here they come, here they come, here they come. And, he, and, and, and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him. Oh, Job, we're so sorry. We're so sorry that you went through that. Oh, my, my heart goes out to you. And comfort him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Job, man, I just, I wish I'd known. I wish I'd known that you were going through that. But the Lord blessed Job. It says the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning so that he had more stuff than he ever had 
He gave him back some better children. I guess I shouldn't say that. He gave him back some children. Excuse me. Excuse me. He gave him back some children. Seven sons and three daughters. That's the kind of God we serve. I want to clarify something. Even though I said that your winter will definitely be changed to spring. It will be. It will be. But it may not be in this life. It may not be in this life. But I guarantee you, on the word of God, if you maintain your faith in God, even if you slip and fall and slide and however God has to take you, if you maintain your faith in God, spring will come. Spring will come. I know Jesus understands winter. When he was on that cross on Calvary, oh, it was cold, it was dark, it was, it was the, perhaps the bitter, bitterest winter ever known to man. He understands winter. Brother Joseph, he understands winter. He knows winter. But what I'm glad about <laughs> is that spring will come because Sunday morning came. Sunday morning came. My brothers and sisters, no matter what the winter is in your life, God can bring spring. Not only can he, but he will. I don't know if you got something that you're dealing with. I don't know. I feel a little burdened down myself, so I'm glad for this message for myself today. If you got something you're burdened down with and you just want us to call upon God and say, God, either help me to make it through the winter, help me to make it through the storm, or if it is that you need for him to change your storm, your winter into spring, let's ask, let's call upon God today. Anybody? Anybody got something that you just want a special prayer about? I'm going to invite you to come on down. Let's talk to our God. Myself, I feel that somebody has just turned on the pressures of life and they just sometimes feel to be weighing me down. But I'm, God, I'm so glad that we serve a God who will not lie and that I'm assured today that it all is going to work for my good. It's going to work for my good. Oh God, our Father, Lord, in our challenges, Lord, we want to just first worship you. We want to worship you, Lord. You are the good God, a mighty God. You are the only God, a true and living God. And Lord, even though, even though, even though the challenges are there, things aren't working out exactly like we expected. Our, dream, our dreams are not falling like we thought they would be fulfilled. We come today, Lord, just recognizing, Lord, that it could be that you just love us and trust us enough that you say, you know what? I'm going to let you bear a little pressure. Because just like Job, Job's story, you realize, throughout the ages have been an encouragement for so many others. Maybe it is that our story is to be an encouragement for somebody else. 
Oh, what would have happened had Job given up? What would have happened if the record said that Job cracked on the distressed and cursed God? Oh, but God, 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 we just thank you today. We thank you for the story and for the lessons of Job. That Lord, in our unexpected trouble that we must worship, 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 worship. In winter, worship. In spring, worship. In fall, worship. In the summers, worship. Worship God. He is worthy. He is worthy. Praise him. Praise him. And it's interesting that when we praise God, that blessings come down upon us. And then, Lord, even when things don't seem to be moving, Lord, even when things don't seem to be moving, Lord, we maintain our faith. I told you about my dad. I called my dad on Easter morning. <laughs> I said, Dad, where are you? He sounded a little faint, but he was at the restaurant waiting to be seated. God is a good God. Yes, yes, yes. God is a good God. Yes, Lord. Oh, let's just hang in with God today. Hang in with God. Hang in with God. God, strengthen us today. Strengthen us, Lord. We charge us, O oh God, that we may be faithful to you until the end. And Lord, may our testimony be that I know that my Redeemer lives. Yes, yes. Yes, he lives. Yes, yes. And I shall see him. Thank you, Jesus. I shall see him, if not in my live body, in my resurrected body. In the name of Jesus. Yes. In the name of Jesus. Let's the church say amen. Amen. Amen, amen. and amen. amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. the church say amen again amen, amen. A song that had my heart this week was there's none like him not one not one like him let us all stand not one can you think of anything like him not one Nobody like Jesus. Amen. Father, we're so grateful for your holy presence here this morning. You have given us quite a bit to keep us occupied. We just pray, Father, that we will take advantage of it and that we will occupy till you come. Help our worship. May it be pleasing in your sight. We're thankful for the message this morning and that it will permeate in our hearts as we go throughout the week. Bless our youth that are traveling, Lord, that you will bring them, to, bring them home to us safely tomorrow. Father, as we close this service, let us not close our eyes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. You may be seated. Uh, men, we want to make sure. Um, why don't we have the men come up front right now? 